A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Right, let me tell you a quick little story before we do get into this week's ups and downs. I used to work in finance and I was a very good financer. And one day I got hired by this big finance company. And just as I was about to sign the contract, the janitor ran in. He signed it. So the only contract that was left was the janitor contract. And I went from being a financer to cleaning the floors, which is a very honorable job, by the way. But I could not believe it. I mean, the crazy world we live in. Which is why everything that happened on SmackDown made perfect sense. And I weren't here otherwise. My name is Simon Miller. Welcome to Ups and Downs, the show. We take this, the finger of power, and we give the good bits and up and the bad bits the down. Or we say what rocks, and we say what sucks. Thank you for joining me as always. Let's go. I knew that we were going to get sex references this week and I knew that John Cena would be the right man to deliver them because referencing Roman Reigns last week where he had talked about the missionary's position being boring, Johnny said, well, if you do find someone that can make the missionary position enjoyable for 20 years... I think you need to keep them in your life. We have learned a lot over these past seven days, and that is that we all want to have sex in the missionary position. He kept this fire going when he said all this nonsense about John Cena having to change doesn't make any sense, because did The Rock ever change? No. Did Stone Cold Steve Austin ever change? No. And the only person in this scenario who does have to change every couple of years is Roman Reigns, because the fans don't care about him, so he's still looking to try and find what works. (laughs) That tickled me good. He went on to call Roman to a stooge named Joe, so I was like, oh my gosh, we're breaking the fourth wall, when all of a sudden he got interrupted by Baron Corbin. And I swear, every week that goes past, this man just gets more and more disheveled. My heart goes out to him. How good is he portraying this character too? I mean, he looked so terrible this week, John Cena didn't even recognise him. And then I was like, oh my God, it's Baron Corbin. And Baron was like, please, please give me money. Or why don't you put me in the Suicide Squad? And I was like, there's a nice little plug for John Cena's new movie. <laughs> John was like, I can't do that. You absolute idiot. Suicide Squad's already out. But we did get an update too. And Baron has now lost his house. He's lost his money. He can't compete because of an injury. He's still got spaghetti all over his shirt. And when he realised that Cena was only going to give him a few dollars, he turned on him. He said bad words, which meant this segment ended with poor Baron Corbin getting hit 
with the attitude adjustment. Now look, the fans absolutely love this, and this was nonsense done in the right way, but I kind of think we need to change track with this. I don't want to see anything more bad happen to him. It puts these weird water things in my eyes, and I'm going, ah, I don't know what's going on. All of this was really entertaining, though. Cena has just reached this brand new level. I suppose we'll call it top tier. So it's getting up. I think we are finally going back to that Ray and Dominic Mysterio storyline we teased ages ago. You remember a couple of months back when Ray was like, oh, son of mine, I love you and I'm so happy your mother gave birth to you, but you are still committing rookie mistakes, so now you must look up to me, the legend known as Reyes Mysterio. Every time they do do this, I kind of get this feeling that is Dominic going to turn on his dad, and I hope we don't do that because that would suck, but this did build to our next match, which was Jimmy Uso versus Rey Mysterio. This is the WWE that just seems to love any kind of variation of a rematch every single week. But look, the talent is too good. They are too good at professional wrestling. I can't help but enjoy it. Uh, all of this was also massively helped by the fact that Mysterio is treated like such a legend. And he is a legend, so that's important. And of course, when he was going for the 619, Jay went... I don't really want my brother to be kicked in the face. Why don't I grab him and remove him from the situation? What a couple of dicks. Daddy didn't care though, so he took them both out with a massive dive before he looked at Dominic as if to say, see, I know what I'm doing. And that also must have been some kind of code they'd made up backstage because then Ray hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment and Dominic did what the Usos had been doing where he just basically like pushed his shoulders to create more pressure, meaning Ray Mysterio, hooray, got the win. So this was really, really nice because now we have smart baby faces who are learning as the weeks go by although i suppose we do now have to do the tag team title match again which doesn't make any sense but i feel like i've made my opinions clear bianca belair then came to the ring and this was all done for a massive surprise and as i've told you time and time again i would take a two-hour wrestling show that was just surprises when they work they make me feel warm and fuzzy in my tum tum now we'll get into all of this because it was just one of those WWE segments when Bianca was like, ah, I'm so great, everyone loves me. And then everybody started interrupting. So Carmella was here and Zelina Vega was here. And the only problem with these two is they wanted title matches. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You two have done nothing to deserve a championship shot. Get out of here. Belair did still seem happy to fight Vega though. I guess he's well into Street Fighter 2. When of course the bad guys started to beat the champion up. So you were like, oh no, my hair is falling out of my head. Somebody needs to save this poor person. And of course, here it was surprise time and the returning Sasha Banks. The fans went wild, which made it feel like an even bigger deal. And if you can believe it, WWE actually showed restraint here because they were hugging and it was like, oh my gosh, they found respect because they had such good matches together. But that wasn't true. But for now, let's sit down and I'll tell you about it later. Reginald was then on SmackDown. I'm like, is he allowed on SmackDown just because he's the 24-7 champion? I don't remember that being a rule. But also, to be fair, he was affiliated with the women's tag team champion so much... I don't even know what brand he's meant to be on. He wants to be called Reggie now, and if you're a fan of WWE social media, you'll also know he has gone, ha ha, I'm not really French. I only did that to get in Carmella's good books to try and work that one out. But the point is, he's really happy to be a champion, and he's going to flip and flop his way to victory. He was also fighting Chad Gable on this evening too. And look, was this really fun? Yes, it was, because Reg is just so good, like I say, at high flying around the ring, and Chad Gable could do anything. Also, he had some stuff with Otis here, and Otis is kind of good, but kind of directionless. But the problem was, is that it ended after a minute when Otis did get involved, 
and that caused a disqualification. Can you even have a disqualification in a 24-7 title match? I don't even know. Otis then threw him out of the ring, and that was cool because Reggie kind of just landed on his feet and then ran off. But you could do all of this without the 24-7 title, which has just become so tired. Also, a DQ is just such nonsense. Is getting it down. Also, you know the deal. Bring down the DQ board. It's at a stupid 42. On a quick side note, I do think we have something with Reggie here. I look forward to seeing him just needs to be presented a little bit differently. Do you remember what I said earlier too? Well, that's good. Keep it in your brain because Sonya Deville and Adam Pearce then said, well, we need a main event for this evening so we haven't been very good at our job and we haven't planned it. Why don't we do Carmella and Zelina Vega versus Bianca Blair and Sasha Banks? Once again, wait for it. WWE then went completely nonsensical. But sometimes in this crazy land of sports entertainment, if you get the performances right and you just have these larger-than-life characters... You're going to get away with it every single time. But it was a contract signing between Roman Reigns and Finn Balor because WWE is absolutely obsessed with these. And this was ticking all the boxes to start with because Finn Balor got cheered like a hero and Roman Reigns got booed like a villain. And at one point, Roman saw some people in the crowd dressed as John Cena and just went, ha, <laughs> I loved it. Like always, Paul Heyman moved Roman's chair to the head of the table because he believes in that gimmick and wanted to make it clear he's not ducking John Cena's challenge. He just thinks Finn Balor is more worthy. Sadly, when they do have this match, he's going to smash him so hard, <laughs> he's going to send him back to NXT. And without messing a beat, Pat McAfee on commentary just went Tuesdays 8pm. That man is very good at his job. And then from nowhere, here came all the shenanigans. Because Banner was like, well, when I do beat you, maybe I will take that title down to NXT. And as he went to sign the contract, out came Baron Corbin. Because Baron's big plan was, well, if I beat Finn Balor up and I sign the contract, then I can fight Roman Reigns and somehow become rich again. Baron, I love you. This is the stupidest plan ever. It's also great because it's just not how contracts work. Like, imagine you were about to sign the deal for a house and then somebody else ran in, twonked you in the head and they signed it. You're like, oh, fair play. The house is now yours. John Cena then arrived again, though. He took out Baron Corbin for the second time off the night, and then he grabbed the contract, and he scribbled his name in the box, and everyone's like, oh, okay, I guess it means it's official to SummerSlam. But look, fair play to WWE. You heard the commentators going, wait, this isn't a real thing. How the hell is he going to get away with it? And then we cut to the back. Paul Heyman said, well, you're not actually going to green light this. And because Adam Pearce doesn't like Roman Reigns due to all of their history, he said, well, I see a name here, and it's fine by me. So as far as I'm concerned, all this got justified. It also makes me an absolute moron. And yes, it was a huge bait and switch with Finn Balor. But I'm going to keep everything crossed post-SummerSlam. We will get to Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns. But all I know about this is that I came out the other side feeling pretty good about life. I mean, it was really, really daft. But I suppose I just like daft things because I am a daft human. We asked the finger of power and it's getting it up. It was good. I shall describe it as loosey-goosey, though, which is actually a good term for all of WWE programming. And then it was time for variations on rematches. Because it was Big E, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Cesaro taking on Apollo Crews and the Dirty Dogs. This kind of ties into the Rey Mysterio thing from earlier. I feel like I've seen this every single day of my life, but they just know how to wrestle. Up. It didn't go too long either. Everyone just ran wild and hit their big moves. And I think it clocked in around about five minutes. And also it benefited hugely from the fact that when Nakamura did come out, Rick Boogs was doing his wow, wow, wow entrance. And as I have said time and time again, that is just so over the top. No matter what follows it, 
I just feel like watching it and enjoying it. And like I say, everybody was just hitting maneuvers. So we had a zigzag on the outside. We had the big swing. Big E was here from nowhere and he was hitting the big ending and the crowd loved that. And that got me excited too because I think they've really bought into him as Mr. Money in the Bank. And I think the idea here was to build Shinsuke Nakamura versus Apollo Crews for the Intercontinental title. Because after a boost distraction, naturally it is WWE, Apollo went for the frog splash, he missed, he then got Kinshashed right in the face, and King Shinsuke, or King Nakamura, even though he didn't have his crown this week, or at least I don't think I didn't see it, pinned him. So surely now, he's just earned himself a title match. Now I do admit all this means a little bit more focus, because it is just all over the place. But once more, it was fun. Although sadly, we do have to bring down the distraction board. <laughs> It's up to 84. We so gonna smash to 100, and I don't want to be that guy, but I think that may be one too many. Seth Rollins and Edge then beat each other up, as you would. They don't like each other. There's not really much to recap either, as you already know the story beats. Because Seth Rollins doesn't like Edge, because he feels like he stole the championship from beneath his feet. And Edge doesn't like Seth Rollins, because one, he cost him that championship, and two, a few years ago, he tried to kill him. So I do understand. But the way WWE put this together this week, What's the equivalent of trying to figure out quantum physics? Because we saw Edge come into the ring, and then we cut to the commercial break. And then in the ring was Seth Rollins looking like a picture your nan used to have up in her house. And then we cut to a replay of what we didn't see, so how can it be a replay? It wasn't. And Edge had been whacked in the face by Seth Rollins, who had borrowed a camera from a cameraman. Rollins then ran into the rain in the squared circle, going, oh, I can't believe I'm in such a bad move. And then he just walked off. That was the end of it. I was like, man, did somebody just hit my brain with a sledgehammer? This was really confusing. It wasn't bad in terms of performance. It was just the structure of the thing. It was like going to build a house and the foreman going, well, I think we should start with a window. Yeah, like, dude, you don't start with a window. That ain't gonna work. And WWE is usually really good with this stuff. But my word, this was not the way to do it. So we got to give it a down. Who cares though? Because we had an absolute phenomenal ending to SmackDown this week when we had our big tag team match with Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair taking on Carmella and Zelina Vega. And the ending was so good, like I say, I'm just going to take the match and throw it over there. It don't even matter. Pat was great again, though, because he spent the whole time at the announce booth going, I don't trust this Sasha Banks. I don't think we can believe in her past. And he was absolutely right. Because after Sasha Banks had made Carmella tap out to the bank statement and she was dancing around and singing and playing with Bianca Belair at the perfect time, she just gave her the backstabber to remind you she's the boss. The crowd went nuts at first before they realized, oh, no, wait, we like Bianca Belair and this is Terrible, and they started to boo her and Sasha Banks just went to town here with this awesome look on her face. She is a damn good heel. Sasha held the title in the air so we have our B-roll because of course this will go down at SummerSlam and then she applied the bank statement once again and I look forward to this rematch because this is one that actually made sense and it also just made SmackDown really flipping good and that's why it's getting it up. As does the show overall, SmackDown is getting it up as it usually does. I mean, this one was a little bit more winky-wonky than usual, but they have just found a way to be entertaining. And when you are entertaining, I couldn't give two hoots, because why do I watch wrestling? Surprise, surprise, to be entertaining. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.